Hello, this is Bixby. Welcome to the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast. Here is your host, Roger Kibbe. Hello, Bixby Developer Chat listeners. Today, I have the honor of talking to Tim and Dominique. Tim and Dominique are co-founders of 169 Labs, a premier voice agency based in Europe, and they also host the biggest voice conference in Europe. And they are very, very well known in the voice industry, and I'm super excited to have them on today. Why don't we start with you, Tim? Please introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you very much. It's it's a great pleasure to be here in your podcast, Roger. My name is Tim, as you said, one of the co-founders of 169 Labs, and I'm responsible for the whole part of design and writing concepts and doing all around the UX of our voice applications and voice experience we launched together with our customers. Great. Thanks, Tim. And Dominique? Hi, it's really nice to be here on your podcast today and talk a little bit about voice and our experience with voice. So I'm the other co-founder of 169 Labs. I have a background in business and have been working in the media industry for quite a while. And when I stumbled across voice interfaces, and that became my new field of work. And in our company, I'm responsible for strategy and running the business. And of course, technology, the technology side of voice. All right. Well, staying with you, Dominique, I always like to ask people, what was your first experience with a voice device? A little bit about your, yeah. start with the, your history with voice, starting with the first <laughs> time you, you talked to a device. This is, I, I'd say, this is funny enough because kind of like nowadays we all talk about, talk about like um, smart speakers uh, being the first voice enabled devices in our homes or in, when we talk to devices. But I mean, like 20 years ago or 25 years ago, I, I clearly remember when I talked to my BMW um, and just uh, said the address instead of typing the address. And to the car and um, eventually it got the address right and navigated me to the right point. Eventually it did not. So I'd say this was kind of the first hand user experience I had with voice interfaces myself in like an, in a real situation. And of course we all watched Star Trek and saw the fantasy about talking to machines there, but like this wasn't approachable or accessible at this time for us then. But like the cars, I think were kind of the on the forefront of uh, voice interfaces um, for the regular persons or day-to-day use. I always laugh and understand when people are talking about Star Trek because I think so many of us got our start in technology by being inspired by that. And I remember voice, they could talk. And I remember there's some episode where I think Scotty goes back in time and he picks up a mouse and he tries to talk to it. And he's like, barbarians, like they don't understand. <laughs> and things. And I, it's, I just get a laugh out of that. But yeah, those early car, you got it why car manufacturers did that is add voice. But man, that stuff didn't work very well. And it's nah. kind of a reminder of how yeah. far we've come in the industry, actually, is how much better it is than yeah. it used to be. And that wasn't that long ago. No, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but like... I'd say it's at least 20 years. So this is a long way. I mean, technology-wise, it's quite as long as maybe the internet is around or the kind of the modern internet is around. Interesting. Okay. All right. I thought it was more recent, but yeah, I'm sure it's way better than it was back then. (laughs) How about Tim? What about yourself? What's your first uh, experience with voice? I 
I think I was able to drive a car 20 years ago, but I haven't had one. <laughs> so at least my first car was a very, very old the VW Volkswagen. I know that one that was great, but it hasn't had any voice capabilities for sure. Yeah, CD was a, th a thing <laughs> back then. So listening to that. Yeah. So my like real voice experience, like with the back and forth interaction, was I think 2016 when we shipped or brought the first device, smart speaker device from the US to Germany right before it has been introduced into the German market. And I, can't, I, I remember that we had this like very magical moment back in, in these days, like five years ago. So half a decade. <laughs> there, well, yeah. you know, in voice, that's a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> And funny enough, thinking about the podcast, I was remembering the 2018 Alexa conference at the Chattanooga Public Library. And I think we all met there. point in voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like this seminal event in voice. I've kind of laughed with other guests on that go, mm. sometimes when they write the history of voice, they're going to be like, like 100 people got together in Chattanooga Public mm -hmm. Library. And most of us didn't know what the heck we were doing, but we were figuring it out. And out of that came really, yeah. really amazing things have come out of that. Uh, and I, as I remember, <laughs> you guys had a crazy, crazy travel experience actually getting there. Yeah, I get an instant cold when I think about this this uh, trip to Chattanooga, and we were thinking, "What? Where the heck is Chattanooga from Germany?" It's we know where San Francisco is located in LA and, and New York, but Chattanooga, we had to Google this one and to see where we can can get there. But yeah, we had a really crazy, uh, crazy trip to get to the actual place of the conference, and we got stuck at the airport of Atlanta. And yeah, by the magic of Twitter, we found someone else who got stuck and who wanted to travel to Chattanooga. And we teamed up with Octavio. And yeah, and we took an Uber from Atlanta to Chattanooga, which is, which is, yeah, I would say, what was it, like two hours drive almost? A yeah. Two hours Uber drive, I'd more, say. More or less, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the longest Uber drive, I think, in his history on the driver. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I remember you guys regaling us with stories of, we're in Atlanta. How the heck are we going to get to Chattanooga? And finally <laughs> arriving there. It's funny, the, the travel mishaps. And then you met Octavio on, on Twitter, right? Yeah. And became friends, right? By sure. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You know, circumstance there. So I wanted to go back and, and tell me more about uh, 169 Labs. I guess my first question is, well, I want to hear about it being founded, but I also want to hear about why you named it 169 Labs. Sure. That's that's also a crazy story. <laughs> and it happened also in the US, actually, where we decided to uh, name our company 169 Labs. And don't get us wrong, we've only traveled a few times to the US. We're not like all, all the time in the US and doing crazy business stuff there. But this goes back uh, to also to 20, the, the beginning of 2017, when we decided to found 169 Labs. And that actually happened in a bar called 169 Bar at the uh, East Broadway 169 in New York. And that's where we had, yeah, some bottles of PBR and a few shots. <laughs> yeah. As and all great companies start. 
with exactly and yeah we came up with the idea of why not naming the company after like the, the actual place we are right now and i think the addition of labs was just a fancy thing back then everybody called it company labs. labs yeah we are really pragmatic about that you know that's stuff. true there was a names that companies go through kind of what's popular at the time and everything was labs then right yeah. now everything is something misspelled right? <laughs> so, yeah yeah uh who knows what the next thing will, yeah and will leaving be, out the, the vocals you know like a and yeah, e yeah leave out the vowels yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Vowels, so yeah exactly yeah so. yeah which yeah. i was like i'm like it's crazy because then people got, must mistype your url all the time but hey yeah. if it works it works and so did you start out thinking that you were going to build uh, voice experiences or what was the original intent behind 169 Labs? Yeah, actually, so this is kind of connected with the first voice experience of Tim when he brought over the first Alexa device or when Alexa was, was released in the US in 2017, he brought over one of the devices and actually he invited me to, to join him on a hackathon. Tim lives in Cologne and I live in Munich, so Cologne is uh, approximately 300 miles away from me. So it is, I just came over for the weekend and for the hackathon, which was kind of just started out as a fun experience. And then we were so impressed by the kind of the new capabilities of these devices and what voice can do with these smart speakers and like the level of accuracy and, and the technology deepness that has been founded by these devices. So we were kind of fascinated what's going on here. And we decided just to put our energies into this field of business and, and start our company around um, voice experiences and voice technology. And that was kind of the pivot when we started. And that's why we founded 169 Labs as a voice agency and with a clear focus on, on voice technology. So we are from just from the beginning, we are specialized in voice technology. We are, we, we are not kind of a digital agency that moved into the field of voice. Our, our DNA is voice only, and that's where we are working. That's we have been working in, and that's where we are working at the moment. So this is kind of a clear focus that we have with the company. And we won the hackathon. I mean, you missed to, yeah. to name that, <laughs> to, to mention <laughs> that, sorry. Yeah, we won that hackathon, and that gives like a lot of yeah confidence that we are at the right place in the right moment and that there will be happening a lot from then on yeah got it and d now you guys obviously knew each other beforehand and you worked together were you old friends or how do you know each other <laughs> oh we know we have been known we have been known each other for i think 10 years by then so we have been working back then in a, in a Munich tv station um, which i co-founded and tim was uh, head of digital there And so everything fell together and we know we, or we knew or we learned over time that we can work perfectly together. And, and that's why we decided to found our own company then. And this followed up into the foundation of 169 Labs. So that was brave in 2017, founding a voice company because it was so <laughs> nascent, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and well, I'd argue people still haven't figured out a lot of things that we can do with voice, but they certainly hadn't figured that out in 2017. Can you tell me about a couple of your early projects or successes that, that you had? Sure, I can cover this one. It's, I mean, the first year in 2017, there was, yeah, the adoption was like starting in, in, in Germany. And I think Alexa has been released in March or April to the public. So it's publicly available on, on the, the Amazon uh, store. And we invested 
these times in like playing around with the, the platform and the technology, trying things out, releasing our first projects on our own in kind of a studio way and see its limitations um, and being able to actually talk about and rely on real data and not just selling dreams of, of voice to our potential customers back then. Yeah, but rather having real data to, 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 to talk about and to explain the potential of the, the platform. And we traveled a lot visiting conferences, including the Chattanooga one <laughs> beginning of 2018. But I think the first projects we had with, with the company were in, I think, late summer 2017 or end of 2017, where we got the attention of a few companies here in Germany who were looking for how they can include voice in their marketing strategy. And yeah, this back then there were only a few use cases out and... Um, no real strategy behind it. And that's something, and I'm sure we will talk about that later, that has changed over time right now. So there were a lot of moving very fast, trying to be as fast as possible, having that first mover benefit and just pulling money from the marketing budget and throwing it into the market. And we were there to, <laughs> yeah, collect the money. No, not like this, but we were there because we were like one of the few agencies or providers who were actually able to consult companies uh, and who had already experience in working in, in and with voice technology. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you were kind of right place at the right time. And those early companies, uh, yeah, they were just experimenting. There's this new mm. way of interacting with customers. What are we going to do with it? And I give a lot mm. of kudos to those companies that did things back in 2017, 2018. Even if you fast forward to today, there's many companies who are still haven't entered voice, which means mm -hmm. there's massive opportunity in the market, but you still yeah. have early to kind of middle of the curve adopters actually doing things. And so I think, and history shows that early adopters of technology, usually the ones that can take advantage of it. So I, mm -hmm. I think kudos to those companies trying it and kudos to you guys for being there. And, and <laughs> Thanks well, so much. You want to try something? <laughs> We're here. <laughs> so along those lines, I'd love to talk a little bit about how the work that you've done has evolved. So in 2017, it sounded like you're doing some experiments with some companies. And here we are in October 2020. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about the history of, and the evolution of how your work has evolved over those four, four plus years. Yeah, I think I can just explain a little bit. I think how our customers evolved or changed or, or how they how they, like the evolution of the customers is maybe Tim you can talk about our work later on mm -hmm. because I think it's quite interesting like Tim said before in, in the early days companies would approach us and they would have kind of small projects fast-paced pro projects with short deadlines and with, mm -hmm. without a clear goal they want to just be on this new device and want to try something out And, and they were kind of, these projects were funded by either the marketing department or, in, or in any innovation budget they had. So this, this was kind of what's where, where we are at this, this moment in time. Small projects that had, had to be realized quite fast without a, a real strategy, but kind of trying something out to be in the market and have a voice application like the others. And this is, this is something that's, that we're in the beginning. And so over time, I think this evolved to nowadays where we see that 
like our clients have they have a more clear view what they want to achieve with their voice experiences so there's more strategy involved they are thinking about a business case that might or a business case that needs to be supported by these voice applications so it's not just the solemn of having an application but thinking about okay at some point we need to make money out of this application how can we achieve this what's the strategy to approach this And this is not funded by the marketing or innovation budget anymore. It's coming out of their um, operations and they think that's where they, they get the money from. And this is kind of, and I think, and, and like on the other hand, the budgets are bigger than before and the deadlines aren't that strict anymore. They just need to have or want to have a really good experience instead of having been first to market and having this on, in, in the store with a fixed deadline. And I think that's really a difference between nowadays days and today and i think this reflects the same or this kind of evolution is reflected in our work as well let's say got it yeah oh, go ahead tim yeah you're absolutely right and looking at the evolution from an internal perspective on our company and how i mean i can maybe give you a brief overview how like the process has changed maybe dominic you can add something from a technology perspective too but looking back at the first like bui diagrams we made four years ago it's really funny to see how we designed the, the user experience back then so with every project we made and every evolution step and improvement of the of the platforms our work has also improved and learning from different uh, target groups and how yeah what implications you face when you design for kids for instance or for elderly or for like commerce cases or entertainment cases and each and every project there was something in it we could then use in the next project and so that's a continuous improvement we, we we made over time and today we look at like a clear process how voice projects are done you know starting with with yeah use case identification with co uh, companies and also focusing on like single use cases and not like putting everything inside they they have maybe or they want to put into voice experiences and then starting to prototype very, very early in the process and see uh, if it's working or see if there are like other things we haven't thought about earlier and then develop and evolve from, from there and improve the UX. And when we spend enough time on the design and do iterations and prototypes and user testing, then it's much easier Dominic, I hope you agree. It's much easier to build the actual uh, UX or the actual product. And that's something we improved over the last four years or five years uh, a lot. And it's really, really fun, uh, a fun experience. And it's very challenging too, solving problems that nobody had before. There are no Stack Overflow tickets to, to Google or to get help. That's something you have to deal on your own with and find solutions and get creative and find workarounds to work with the limitations some platforms have to build out certain use cases. 
but it's a really great and fun experience. And yeah, it's worth every day to work on these products because there are new things to explore and new things to learn um, every single day. And that has changed a lot, I'd say, over the last uh, years. And we are now looking back at well, more than 50 projects, I think, we made or we realized from many different from many different verticals from kids to shopping to entertainment to retail to hospitality service skills or actions or capsules everything is in it and i think from a technology perspective dominic you could how have things evolved there or improved or made your lives easier at the development side or department <laughs> I think I'd say we learned a lot over the past years. <laughs> so we are kind of really amateurs in everything we did. This, I think to, you have to be humble to acknowledge yourself that back then no one knew what he was doing. That we, no one was expert in any of these fields and you need to, or you, there were so many fields that you need to learn or improve on. It's not just voice experience or uh, voice technology. It's, it's as well like serverless uh, infrastructures, everything like the, 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 the JavaScript, moving to TypeScript. And so a lot of these technologies are in a really fast pace at the moment. And, and so that's why you first of all learn them and then you keep kind of keep on track with all the develop, developments that are on there at the moment. And I think I'd say we, we put a lot of time and energy into monitoring. So we really like to know what's going analytics, what's, what are people using in these, in the voice experiences? Is, is going something wrong? Are they stuck in any, in any conversation where they can't get out because we didn't kind of put the question right? We weren't clear on, on the questions or they didn't know how to answer. Maybe they can't answer this as one time. So this is kind of really the, the, the essence of what we are doing with monitoring to see if something goes wrong and then improve on these like points of failure and, and move, move to the next iteration and improve the, the product you know, or the, the voice product here. And as well, it's, and I think this is something where we have now a clearer picture of what people do with the voice experiences than we had when we started off. We just did something, put it out in the market and eventually we got a one-star review or a five-star review. And that's that was kind of all we had for measuring our success or failure. And, and today we know it from the first day it's out. We see where problems are, we can improve. And then we hopefully won't have the one-star review and, and at least a two-star review now because we improved <laughs> within the first release cycle or improvement cycle. It's interesting. I knew you were joking about the reviews though, but do you guys still find a challenge of users' expectations of what a voice assistant can do mm. are different than what a, comp a company goes, you know what, I want to build a voice presence and they build something and maybe they spend a significant amount of time and effort building it. And we all know any software, you launch day one, 80% of the bugs are going to happen after you launch because you didn't anticipate these. But I think voice is such a new parrot. Do you find that if you get a, a review or a complaint or something, it's users aren't really understanding the limitations of the technology and trying to get it to do, trying to be Star Trek? <laughs> we're much for. We're, we're far away from Star Trek. We're from, <laughs> yeah. What was it? Computer was the name of the voice assistant, which is pretty smart there. So, Yeah. There are a few things in it, and I think you're right. It's And it affected how we work, basically, with our clients and customers. 
it's really being more critical about the the use case itself and the amount of of content or or features we put into one single voice experience and really to leave uh, to start small i think big start small um, and see how things yeah are working or are accepted by the users out there in the market and improve from from there and what i think or what we have been thinking about all the time when we started off with developing voice user experiences was what's the next level it has to be more complex there have to be more dialogues longer dialogues longer conversations and what's the next complex use case and let's sell insurance contract or something like this or when can people buy a car via voice and all that stuff and we changed our minds a bit about this challenge like all the early developers had back then it's people love when it's easy and people love when it's like a quick interaction and when they get the the right information at the right time and being relevant as a publisher or a company to the users and that's why we put really first and it's a top priority to provide relevant information and to create more relevance for the users and that's why we try to put as much intelligence by certain backend operations and learning with the user what has been used what has been like ignored or declined and then create some somehow flexible ui for each and every user we didn't have really personalized experience and he or she just sees or hears the the tip of the iceberg and the rest underneath is more content but we are putting together the most important or best recommendations we can give and that's where i think the next iteration could go or the next iteration could be when we talk about like future or the current state of, of voice experiences and what yeah makes the difference between a regular old school voice experience and the new one the better one what uh, which is like more yeah user centric make it easy and relevant what a <laughs> simple but powerful message to the community it, it it's my opinion that many people over engineer their voice yeah. experiences because they think there's going to be these complicated conversational AIs. You're going to be talking to it. It's like the computer in Star Trek or Tony Stark and Jarvis. And quite frankly, the AI and the technology isn't there, isn't good enough quite for that kind of real back and forth. And secondly, that's not what people really are using it for. They want something done, quick answer and make voice have high utility by making the simple stuff work well, and then people like it and enjoy it. And to my mind, that feels like a stepping stone. Like we got to get that all working really well before we can get to true conversational AI, which to my mind, I think we're not in conversational AI, we're kind of conversational commands and yeah. that's okay. Well, yeah. I, I don't think that we should, as an industry should think that's bad. Yeah, I think it's you're right. realistically where the technology and the users are. Let's build it so it works for people for simple things. And then the more people get used to talking to their devices, then we'll start getting to this utopian future where you yeah. have a full conversation with your voice assistant. But I think we all got a little too caught up in building complexity. And to your point, it's the simplicity that win. Well-designed simplicity 
that wins in the marketplace. Yeah, I totally yep. agree. I think that's kind of, as you said, like uh, we all dreamed about a, a conversation that people have with their, with their smart assistants, but it's at the moment, it's more a command or a small chat with the three-turn chat that you have. And then, uh, then right. every, and if this is sufficient, then people will love this experience and use it in the future. And then we can, in the later stage, have these real conversations with our applications. And mm. I think we are not here at the moment. So you said you'd built for a variety of different industries. And I'm wondering, well, I guess two-part question. One, any industries that you've built more for and what are the trends over time? Do you see more interest from this industry now than back then? Or how has that changed? Or is it all over the place still? So I think the, uh, the most... Uh, Applications we were building are, were for kids. I think we did a lot of voice experience for kids, and which is uh, obviously the most fun that we are doing at the moment because you can kind of you have these custom voices, you have characters, mm -hmm. a lot of creati creativity in there. You can test it out. We we did some testing with kindergartens, so they they test our voice experiences and showed us where to improve and what what did not work, and kind of basically all these learnings that we had were most of the time, how we can simplify that kind of a three-year, four-year, five-year-old can use these de devices and applications. But all these learnings are relevant for every other age group as well. Because if it's simple enough for a five-year-old, then it's the best way to design for a 40-year-old as well. Why make it complicated if you can do it the simple way? And I think that's something we learned from these experiences. And that's that's why I think as as well, if you try it, have us then, then a more adult targeted kind of a service application, then make it easy, make it fun, make it kind of relevant for them. Think about character design in a way. And then I think this is something that people will use and love and, and, and integrate in their daily habits. Got it. Yeah, I think speaking like in, in, in the broader category would be entertainment. I think that's, I'd say the 50%, 60%, 70% of the projects come from, from the entertainment industry where there's already content in place, which is somehow suitable for the interface, which can be discovered or can listened to or can be bought or whatever via, via voice very easily, including all these like, like stories and, and games and, and quizzes and all that stuff. And the rest, I'd say, is distributed to retail, retail cases, you know, where we have some kind of shopping experience, hospitality, and a few other. But the the, the main part is main part is entertainment. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense when you're talking about the availability of the content, because voice content is new types of content, yep. right? And most companies don't have voice appropriate content mm. and so they have to recreate and that's expensive <laughs> and that's where the cost is really is creating yeah. the content and creating great content and so you're right the entertainment industry might have a lot more content that's ready to go plus they're used to big marketing and budgeting and going mm. out and reaching the consumer and and trying a lot of things right to, to get engagement so that makes a a, a, a ton of sense and it you were talking about building things for kids. And I always say that the, the biggest opportunities with industry are like a barbell. It's the kids and older adults, right? <laughs> because the kids, you're right. The kids, I mean, the kids, one, one, they're fun to build for. And two, they're really open to it. 
they don't have preconceived notions. So if something doesn't quite work, they'll try. And I think we've all seen videos where kids are super patient with a voice assistant and they'll try and they'll just, if it's fun, it's okay. And on the other hand, I know people focus on older adults because they're more, much more likely to be technology phobic. And that's where voice being such a natural way to interact with technology becomes an advantage. So I, I think, I, I, I always think that the opportunities are sitting at these barbell ends, right? And the middle yeah. is, is a massive opportunity but a harder place to go. And ma maybe you start at the barbells and then move in and lessons learned from those. So switching gears a little bit, I would love to talk about voice in Europe or maybe we can start in voice in Germany. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our listeners are, well, they're pretty international, but kind of dominated by the US. And I'm mm -hmm. curious what's happening in voice in Germany and voice in, in Europe. Yeah, maybe like first first view on, on the, on the or last view on the company side and adoption there because it really sure. um, fits to the uh, stuff we just discussed is that it's changing right now. <clears throat> it's not like you can only be successful if you have content in place that's voice ready. It's changing. We see uh, over the last 12 or 18 months, we see that companies are eager to develop new content and, and create content for this Uh, platform, you know, not just putting or not just seeing it as another channel where we distribute our content we already distribute on social media, on the web or somewhere else. They are now, yeah, into it, creating new content and to create or create new products that are voice ready or explicitly for voice and then distributing it to other channels, but making it voice first somehow. So that the adoption from a company side is moving forward in, a, in an absolute, absolutely right direction. So that's... That, yeah, no, I think that's a really, that's powerful when you're saying they've accepted that they need to recreate new content. Yeah. They're not just repurposing old things, which never worked, which is the typical thing that you first, everybody does this. New mm -hmm. tech comes along, you try to repurpose what you built for the old tech. Yep. And it usually doesn't work very well, but it's part of the curve. When mobile came out, everybody tried to t take their big desktop website <laughs> and shrink it down to work in mobile. And frankly, it looked like shit. And then people <laughs> figured out that mobile's different. You can repurpose some content, but mm -hmm. navigation is different. And they started recreating content specifically for mobile or now smartly for both. But mm -hmm. you're right with voice, it's is when people really start realizing, hey, I got to create content for this channel. I'm serious mm -hmm. about this channel. It has high value. Then you're talking about the industries accepting that voice, it's not just an experiment. It's yeah. a valid business case yeah. behind it. And we got to have a voice presence and we got to make it good. So really good point. Tim. Yeah, it takes some time. We have to be patient and seeing more companies realizing that fact and yeah, adjusting their content management systems and create a different variation that's yeah, can be read out or can be listened and not just not just like text you you would read normally, you know, on a screen. That's something companies have to be aware of, but we help them doing so and do our best to create more relevance for each and every single user. Yeah, from a user perspective, the adoption in Germany and Europe, 
I think thanks to the work of Brad Kinsella and his platform, he just released, I think, uh, this year, in I think in spring, a new study about the adoption in Germany, which says that there are like 18 uh, million smart speakers out there right now. This equals like 25% of the German households have now access to smart speakers. Uh, so there are already users in place uh, which we can reach with our products and which companies can reach with their product. And we see that the everyday use is also yeah rising. So people do use their smart speakers and not just one time and then putting it back somewhere. It's, it's they're really using it on a regular basis, And that's good to see. I think compared to the US, even the numbers, like the percentage of the, the growth of the, the platform is, I think, a bit better than the US. This has like flattened a bit, I think, but you better how the adoption in the US is. But that's good to see. And we are curious to see how, how it evolves in the next next years or next year. I think COVID had a good impact on if there is something good in it. There's not much, but it, it, users had to or wanted to use their smart speakers more often because there was nothing else to do being stuck at home in their apartments. This had an impact, and positive, in quotation marks, positive impact on the, the usage of, of smart speakers for sure. Yeah, I'm familiar with that study. I think, I think it was actually pretty interesting because I think the, you said about 25%. And I think the adoption rate is a little bigger in the US, but actually the usage was higher sometimes in Germany and, and yeah. in Europe, which I thought was really interesting is that maybe it hasn't quite been as widely adopted, but people are using them more. So, which is super positive. So I, I guess question around that though, and this could apply globally as, as well as in Germany or Europe, 25%, still still a quarter of the pie. How, how do we get the, the other three quarters of the pie to start using voice? What, what's holding them back? Yeah, you, you mentioned that, that point already a few minutes ago, and that's, knowing that there is more in it than just a timer and switching lights on and off, you know, it's user education. And normally we would say that's like platform work with having advertisements in, in TVs and in magazines and in, in the web. But I think this is also, and that has changed for us or, or the perspective has changed over the last uh, year or years is that companies have to, yeah, take responsibility for this too. And that's a task they have to do because we cannot wait for the platforms telling the people that there is that there are like thousands or ten thousands of, of features and, and more to explore on that uh, on these platforms. I think the companies have also teach to teach their users and their customers maybe how to use the, the a smart speaker or how specifically this product or that product can be used and showing it by demonstrating a video on, on a website or having influencers showing off how which benefits this or that voice product has you know and we have to have more people know about the endless capabilities of of, of smart speakers or voice assistants. And it's a long process. We have to make the switch of being brave enough to ask 
virtual assistant everything you want to. And we catch ourselves still some from time to time, not really knowing, okay, what should I now, what could I ask? Let me think about it. We are, it's too many thoughts about how to use it or what's the right way to use it before just using it. And that's the difference also between kids and, and like our generation. It's like, how can I use it? And it's still a question that comes up, I think, in, in many minds out there. What can I ask? You know? That's a powerful point and so, so relevant to part of the challenge of voice. And I think, Tim, it's not like I'm talking to you right now. I'm asking, well, how can I ask Tim this? Because <laughs> I know I can say something in 20 different ways and you'll understand it. Yeah. But I think what we're doing with voice is we code switch into this simplistic language. And so we get kind of caught up or almost kind of, oh my gosh, I'm going to ask it the wrong way. And that is where the AI has got to advance and get better, which leads me to a question about the technology for Dominique. Is there technologies that are coming up or that are starting to be introduced that get you excited that you think will help introduce more people or get more usage of voice? Yeah, absolutely. I think like at the moment, what's what looks most promising to me is the vendors when they say they have advancements in speech recognition or intent recognition, like Google I/O and Google Lambda is one topic, or Alexa conversations. So when they can extract more information and have a more natural language understanding than they have at the moment. So if I could really order me a pizza with two slices of salami and oh no make this a, a double pizza and, and oh i changed my mind and i don't want to want pasta not pizza and something like this will be really recognized i think this is something that we, that that's i mean I, I think in the short term it won't change the way we work because we try to build for simplicity but it will change the way how people can interact with the device because they can say the same phrase they said before, but in a totally different way and like with no negotiation and, and saying just, I want, I don't want a pizza and then it will, will, will not end up in the pizza intent. So this is something that's, that we will see in the future, as I think, or in the near, near future. And this is something that we need. And like technology-wise, what, what we see as well is all these, yeah, all these developments around multimodal experiences. Mm -hmm. Voice is not enough for every use case or only voice is not enough for every use case. Sometimes you need a screen. Sometimes you need a visual hint. Sometimes you need the invocation phrase on a screen then you, that, that you can remember next time you open up the skill. So this is something that I think will foster the ecosystem and, and help more people understand the way how to interact with voice assistants. I think you're spot on and you're right. Those advancements and even ASR, which is, sorry, I've heard it's a solved problem. It is not a solved problem. No, <laughs> totally not. <laughs> it is not a solved problem at all. And anyone in the industry knows that. And um, NLU and trying to understand better and getting better machine learning to understand. As a developer now, I have to sit and create all these example phrases. Mm -hmm. And I, to my mind, that feels kind of awkward, right? Why doesn't the machine understand there's 12 different ways to say this? Mm -hmm. And if I can describe what the question is, it will understand the 12 variations. I think, uh, and there's some, I think Raza has done some interesting things along there. It's a mm -hmm. tool I need to play with more, but yeah, make, if you can make it easier for developers to, as you're developing an application to designers to get the intent 
then I think you get a bunch of big wins. So I get excited about those too, even if it's simple stuff. Because even the yeah. simplest stuff, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you launch it, somebody's going to ask, and you're like, that's an entirely valid way to ask the voice assistant to do something. And we never developed for that. It happens yeah. all the yeah, time. Absolutely. Yeah. You're unfulfilled intents. And you're like, no, this <laughs> actually made sense. <laughs> like any human would get that. So yeah, I get excited about that. And you know, it shows, I think it's, to my mind, it's a little bit what gets me excited about this industry. It's despite all the advances, I still feels like we're so early in the tech and so early in adoption and so early in the number of companies that really are going out and taking advantage of it. So the ramp upwards is, it's steep, but there's a lot of runway. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So one thing I love to ask uh, my guests is to share one of their favorite voice experiences, something they really like using. Uh, mm. Even better if you think it's something that is kind of undiscovered and pe not enough people use it. <laughs> well, that's fine if it's something that that everybody uses, but what's something that you, a voice experience that you like using? Either of you can start. Yeah, you you asked for some somehow the hidden, the hidden gem of the landscape of voice experiences. And recently we finished a project which we are really, really proud of. And that's facing these like multimodal aspects, which can really leverage the potential of, of voice UX and even more. And that's an interactive uh, story we, we made for a German brand, which is really, really well known for like decades with a lot of uh, fans and followers from kids to people in the 40s or 50s even. And it's combining uh, voice together with websites where you have to uh, research uh, stuff and investigate stuff so it's like you are helping people to solve the characters do you help them to solve a certain case you know they are they have so it's like a criminal or a crime game somehow and we combine or we like bring users to a website looking up something you get like access codes that are only in the voice application you have to enter on the website. There are phone calls involved. So you have to call somebody and somebody is calling you and you have to wait until you can continue to uh, play, you know, and you're interacting with the characters and you're like the, the fifth member of the group, you know, and they are really, yeah rely on you to help you solve that uh, certain case. And it, it's a freemium product. So you can start with one or two chapters uh, of the whole story for free. And then you have to uh, convert to a premium uh, user uh, and then buy the rest of the story. And that's really, really a, a great product or has been a great, great project to work on because we we're able to put together all these amazing technologies and even create a business case out of it by selling the digital content to the audience. And that's called, for all German listeners, it's called TKKG Mein Abenteuer. So my adventure with the, the group of the four people. So called. German language only? 
then? Yes. Yes, it's only for Bummer, you got market. me all excited. You were describing it. I was like, that sounds super cool. Yeah, we would, love, we would love to localize yeah. it for the English market. But yeah, it's a German brand and it's very well known for all of this like podcasts and stories and books. I love that. Last. That's a mix of modalities, right? Yeah. Things you do. Yeah. And that's just such yeah. a cool, yeah, kind of makes things more real life. Yeah, you know, mix technology with real life, and oh, I, I love it. The yeah. phone you have to make phone calls and everything. Wow, mm -hmm. that, I, that's a great, great example. Lo love that, Tim. I just want the English language version so I could try it out. <laughs> Let me know when it's released, or you do something like that. Yeah, there because I'd, I'd love to. As For you're sure. talking, I'm like, I want to try this. What's the name of yeah. it? There. All right, Dominique. How about yourself? <laughs> so um, I think what's I can recommend to everybody is especially people who are, who don't believe in, in voice technology and don't use voice technology and want to try something. I, I think my most used application is still the shopping list. So I add everything on my shopping list via voice and this is so convenient in my kitchen and all people, everybody in my household can add to the same list without any interruptions and friction. And I think, and for me personally, I think as you, or to get an idea, I think where, where something can move towards and um, what opened for me a, a new experience or a new horizon even is like I'm using a lot of routines. So I have a lot of routines with my smart speaker where my smart speaker will proactively tell me something or remind me something or ask me something instead of mm -hmm. I am asking the smart speaker something. So like every every day in the morning, I like it reads me the, the weather forecast. It tells me something that I need to remember for my kids. So they, they, for example, they need to bring their sport equipment uh, to school so I, I have so they have to remember to keep to put it in their bags and something like this proactivity in voice is something that i think everybody should try out and experience for himself because this is something we should see more in the future because this is it's not only we talking to devices but also devices talking to us and eventually devices asking us something and we need to answer or find the answer for them Great answer. So that's the the seventy five percent of the pot. I agree. There's high utility in that, and so simple. Shopping list. Go at it. And so if we're gonna get beyond that twenty five percent, those in Germany use of voice assistance or or adoption, maybe it's a simple stuff like a shopping list. Or you're absolutely right. Routines are great because you get to personalize the experience to what you want to hear, and let you do a little pseudo programming or just putting things. It's not really programming. Sometimes you can, but you can do put things in order. Just it, it, it's, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. 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 And I think there's a lot of utility in that. And we all live such busy lives and being able to do it via voice versus picking up your phone. And my big thing is I pick up my phone or I get my laptop to look up something simple. And 30 minutes later, I've scrolled through Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone on Instagram. I'm and I can't. Some, have you ever gone and you're like, wait, what did I sit down to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, totally get sucked in. And yeah. voice is so good about being task oriented. Get and, something and spend, done. Spend hundred dollars for something you, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you, it's you on know. sale. I got to buy it. Completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've all experienced that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hey guys, prediction time. So what about a short-term prediction? What do you think is going to happen in the next year or two? So I think for the next um, two years, I think we, we will see more convenient voice experiences because we learn so much. And I think and as we see in the community, there are so many people that, that are really working closely and having a kind of 
methodic approach towards UX. So we see more standardized um, voice experiences, which is good. Think about like when the web came out, no one knew how to design a website. They were all crazy, different colors, the menu bar on the left side, on the top side, maybe on the bottom or no menu bar at all, just fancy flash animations. And, and nowadays, they all look pretty much the same. It's easy to navigate. There's an imprint on every page. The menu bar is like on, on the top. The home button is on the top left corner. And this is something that we will see in short term mm -hmm. in voice applications as well. These standardizations to just ask a voice application who, who authored this voice application. At, at the moment, roughly no voice application will answer you. But in the future, they might disclose where, where this information comes from. It's not a random or unknown source, but it's a trusted source maybe that's, that gives you this information. So this is something I think we will see in the future or in the near future for, for voice experiences. And this will build trust and will get us the, the other 75% users uh, on board with voice technology. Great answer. Yep, some standards and some ways of using things across voice experiences. Tim, how about your short-term production? Yeah, the I think the discovery or how to get a conversation started will or has to be easier in the in the future. And I really like the approach Samsung does with its uh, capsules and and how it's working there, how to interact with the assistant. It's a bit different than to to the other platforms. But I really like this intent-based conversation and how to start a conversation with a clear intention and not just like opening up an app and then expressing what I wanted to do, actually. So I think this will will get easier and there are already, already signs that this will get easier in the next the next years. So looking very looking forward to this, that users are... Yeah, that's, it's easier to start a conversation and um, not like remembering the right invocation phrase or so. That oh, God, yes. Name-free mm -hmm. invocation, right? Yeah. Big, 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 exactly. big win. Because yeah. I think that's the biggest barrier. Is you what, mm -hmm. what was the name of that? that skill, right? Yeah. What was the name of that action? And there's some things that, yes, you're right. We've done it, Samsung, to try to make that easier. But I think there's a lot the industry can do. And I know like Google's working on even... Um, not even asking, saying, hey, Google, it just answers that, which sounds a little crazy and scary, but maybe it can be <laughs> done. Let's see. Done right. It might be amazing. Yeah. All right. How about a little bit? Okay. Crystal ball time. <laughs> Five or 10 years from now. Crazy wild prediction. And things. Yeah. What's, a, what's your crazy wild prediction for five or 10 years from now? I would say that's might, might be more easy than the one to two year prediction, I'd say. So ah. I believe like in five to 10 years, like all this discussion about smart speaker adoption is useless. We will, we, sh we will, and we should talk about voice adoption. People will laugh about us that we were talking to a device sitting on our desk or on our cupboard and we giving commands to it. There will be a lot of voice-enabled devices around us and we and voice assistant built in already there around us and we would just simply talk to devices or talk to the assistant and so think about voice adoption and and kind of it's only a short-lived way to thinking about smart assistants and every device will have a voice interface in the future and you can talk to, the, to these devices and then this is something that will happen in the end so it will start off with simple commands and then move on to more sophisticated conversations. But this is a process of five to 10 years, I'd say. Great. Tim, mm -hmm. what, what's going to happen five or 10 years from now? 
Yeah, I think from a company side or from the publisher side perspective, and this feels feels a bit Brian Rommelish when I say this, but <laughs> I think we will not develop for a certain voice assistant anymore in the future. We will develop or provide content or dialogue fragments or modules for a big API or content base. And every voice assistant has access to this data. And the user's choice and, and freedom to choose whichever, whatever voice assistant or voice inside the voice assistant, a female one, a male one, or like gender neutral or so, they want to use. It's like driving a road with the car of that you like, the brand you like, and the road is there and we build the road. That's, I think that's something we will, we will do and not like distinguish between developing uh, a capsule, a skill, an action. It's like we are building a voice experience that's accessible from many different sources. That's a good one. That'll be a big win for the industry. More mm. kind of, you're building a voice experience and then there's a lot of devices or yeah, it's, it's one technologies big brain, that can you consume know? the data yeah. Yeah. and then provide it to the consumer. I think that will be a, a big advance. So guys, we'll have to have a beer, whether it's in Cologne or, or Munich or wherever, five or 10 years down the line and see how these predictions all worked out. So <laughs> sure, uh, it's been too long since I've been to Germany, so I need, need to go back. So we will have to plan on that and things, maybe even earlier. But you're always welcome to come. Yes, I uh, both owe you, owe you a few drinks for today. So if people want to keep in touch with what each of you are doing or what 169 Labs is doing, what's the best way to do so? So basically, I think you can find us on every possible way out there. So we are on Twitter, the web website and the conference going on, everything, either the commercial brand 169 Labs or everything we do in the voice community is all about the voice club. So check out everything there on Twitter or, or um, on the websites, and then you can see and keep up to date what we are doing, what we are doing with the conference. We always try to foster exchange, bring people together, talk about voice technology, establish standards, think about the future of voice and try to bring people into the industry who haven't heard about voice and are not in the bubble yet and just broaden the field of voice for everybody that we can kind of spread the word what voice can do for us for other people for other companies and then see what comes out of it and have have the conversation keep the conversation going about voice you know you remind me that about your conference all about voice and you do frequent events and we didn't talk about it but you guys do a lot of really interesting things there yeah individual talks with people and then you get together discussions that people should definitely check that out and I'll, I'll put links to your twitters and all about voice and everything in the show notes so yeah go check out what tim and dominique are doing what 169 labs doing what they're doing with all about voice because these guys are pretty tireless in their, <laughs> in their uh, advocacy and and enthusiasm for voice is what i'd say really enthusiasm so which leads me to say hey guys it's been my pleasure really to talk to you mm -hmm. guys i've always i've respected you right back from 2018 and meeting after the crazy travel experiences <laughs> and, and seeing and, and hearing from you and watching what you're doing in the industry i was just super excited to have you on the podcast so thank you thank you for being guest today yeah, Roger. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a real for us too. Yeah, thank you much. 
Thank you very much as well. I think that's something you're worth mentioning that these kind of relationships and conversations um, established um, three years ago now and they still keep going on. And I think they will in the future. So 10 years from now, we will sit together and, and check out our predictions. And rub we, the crystal ball again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we did today, hopefully the beer yeah. in Munich or over in San Francisco <laughs> in person. And then let's see what, what voice, voice came along for us. Sounds like yeah. a plan. Well, thanks, yeah. guys. Till next time, this is Roger Kibbe at the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast signing off. Mm -hmm.